Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Welcome to another episode of Spirit Katana. I am your host, the old man. I'm Ruby. And I'm Japer. And today we are venturing through the book of Titus and Philemon. Um, since there's only three chapters in one, one in the other. Um, Alright, so let's get started. Starting with Titus 1. Chapter. Yeah, Titus chapter 1. <laughs> Starting with Titus chapter 1. Who wants to share first? Uh, I can. Go ahead, um, Ruby. Verse two, which rests on, which rests on, the hope of eternal life. God, who never lies, has promised this before the time began. Um, what does it mean, hope of eternal life? Does that mean we just hope to get eternal life, or no? The the fact that we're going to have eternal life brings hope for what's to come. Like, we have something to look forward to and to oh. hope for that nothing else really should matter too much. I see. Do you have any highlights, Jade Fire? I have six and seven. All right, go ahead and share. Yeah, I've got six too. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. A man whose children believe are and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing the dishonest gain. I thought the. Six was interesting part um, because of, like, I think this is mentioned, like, multiple times in the Bible or something. Like, the husband of but one wife. Like, a husband should only have one wife. That's where I'm reading it. That's how I'm reading it. Mm. Um, and in the seventh chapter, uh, more of a... Uh, what's it application to me uh, with the quick tempered because I am very quick tempered ah yep yeah and this does um yeah to, there's definitely a lot of things that suggest that um it should be one man one woman I mean that's how God started everything off right one man one woman Adam and yep. Eve yeah um However, we do know plenty of um, people, especially in the Old Testament, that had multiple wives, especially kings. And the only commands that we know for sure that it says about the kings is that they're not supposed to have many wives. It does not say more than, they can't have more than one, just not many. And like Moses had a couple of wives. Um, 
Israel himself had a couple of wives, and people are sometimes even told that they're supposed to father children with their brother's wives, or their brother dies before they're able to have children, and things like that. So there's a lot of interesting interpretations there. And here it does say specifically that an elder and an overseer, they're the ones that are supposed, these are the ones under these specific guidelines of, you know, only one wife and all that stuff. Now, again, I think that that was the way God designed it, right? Matt, one man, one woman. Yeah. But because of certain situations, especially during the Old Testament and how things worked in that culture and stuff, and women didn't really have any power to take care of themselves most of the time, um, because all the the land and money and stuff went to the sons, right? Especially the eldest. They got the majority share, right? Mm-hmm. And so they needed to be taken care of. And that's why there was allowances for the multiple. Now, also, even if you're allowed, and there's plenty of debate on that, even if you're allowed to have more than one wife currently in the present time, you're also called to love your wife correct yes and i can guarantee you almost (laughs) almost every wife even some that say they wouldn't care um do not want their husband to have another woman that they're attached to that way yeah yeah and it goes against laws too which there's yeah laws yeah there's laws about only having one wife and stuff like you can't be married multiple times. Seriously? Yeah. Like in the Bible or? No, I mean in our current country. What if you get divorced huh. and like remarried? And that's another interesting point. Um, this this section of the Bible does, uh, people do debate that too, where it says a husband but one wife. Some people see it as, well, you're only supposed to have one wife at a time. But some see it as if you've been divorced and have an- another wife after that, that might also be considered having multiple wives um, and therefore cannot be an elder or something like that um, again a lot of debate and it can get like it's kind of a it's a hard to discern situation which side are you on <laughs> I don't feel that I have enough knowledge to be able to really say one way or the other on this um, again I think it's definitely best and God's designed to be with one woman and if you want to be loving towards your wife which you are commanded to do then it would also be not a good idea to have multiple as far as divorce is concerned I think that hugely depends on how the husband and like the whoever between the couple that got divorced and what caused the divorce who caused the divorce who decided to get divorced was there any attempt to reconcile to you know so you didn't get divorced um was one of you a believer and the other not that's also plays a piece into it because we've read through corinthians where it talks about if you know if the unbelieving spouse wants to stay with the believing spouse then stay together but if they decide to leave the unbelieving one just let them go because they're not under the same stipulation because they're not a christian Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's very complex. <laughs> what I was saying, like getting remarried to the person you just divorced, not like just divorced. But... Well, I mean, I 
honestly, I think ideally if you did go and get separated, which you probably shouldn't have at that point because you obviously could reconcile, then yeah, I think coming back together is a good thing. <laughs> okay. Is there any debate over that? Well, uh, there probably is. People love to debate everything. Um, yes. I think there would be a lot less debate on that particular subject. <laughs> I would debate with you on that. <laughs> Just because you want to debate, not because you actually have a belief on the, on the situation. I know. <laughs> That's my only highlight. For the whole book? No. <laughs> For the whole chapter. I get you. Alright, so yeah, anyway, yeah, there's definitely a big list of what is to be expected of overseers and elders. Um, an elder in this context doesn't mean just, like, older person, but, like, a person, it's a position in the church group or whatever. The one who's teaching or leading or taking care of the, the followers of Christ, okay? And part of the reason that they... Like, there's, all, there's plenty of reasons that they shouldn't fall into all these things. A lot of people shouldn't fall into all these categories, like... They should be fulfilling all these categories, right? Not just pursuing dishonest gain, not being violent, not giving into drunkenness, right? It's all very important. Um, but because that's a stipulation that everybody should be following, it's even more important that someone in authority should be following these things, right? Right. Right. And um, let's see. Oh, and then the, the, there's, like, part of it is also, um, they shouldn't be open to the charge of being, or they should have children who, let's see, what does it say? Faithful to the way. A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. So, if, because if you can't direct your children well, then how are you going to do well with shepherding God's people. Right? Yep. Alright. Do you have any other highlights, Ruby? Yes. Um, the last verse, verse 16. Oh, well, then I'll go next because I have 15 and 16. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So I think this is just a really good... Uh, for There's a few things that I really take out of this, so... With 15, you know, to pure, all things are pure. To those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. So, like, those that are doing wrong, nothing, even when they're doing good, they're probably doing it out of selfish gain, so it's not pure. And they're also going to think that everything else is impure. They're going to think other people's motives are untrustworthy if they're untrustworthy. Things like that. Because you often see in other people what you yourself are doing. doesn't mean it exists. But you assume their motivations because that's how your mind works. And you're training your mind to think that way. And if you're thinking pure and that stuff, then you're going to more likely expect people to a degree. you got to obviously you have to have discernment and wisdom and like people are going to prove themselves to be doing certain things. But generally, like you should lean towards 
believing the best in the person until proven otherwise. <laughs> um, but then, with the, they claim to know God, but their actions, they deny him. And I, just the whole, the actions speak louder than words, basically. Right? Mm-hmm. You've heard that saying? I think so. Yeah. Meaning, you can say whatever you want. You can say, I won't do this. You could say, you're sorry about something. You could say, uh, you could promise constantly, right? I swear on my mother's grave, I didn't do it. But that doesn't mean anything when your actions show that you do not think those things. Like, I could say, I love you. And then I could, you know, not feed you and lock you outside overnight and you know, give you a couple of black eyes or, you know, whatever, things like that. I could keep saying I love you, but I am not showing that I love you. No. I am, my actions tell me that I hate you. Yeah. Right? Right. And that's, that's the same with like God. We, we say, oh yes, we love you, God. And then we completely disobey him and go against his word and go against his teachings knowingly. And those actions say, actually, God, we don't trust you and we don't love you. We hate you. So, so yeah, people can say they know God, but if they're doing something else, then we... It's the whole fruit, right? You know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I just... That's that's what I was gathering. Doesn't matter, what, doesn't matter what's engraved into the tree. It matters what type of fruit it gives. Right. Did you have anything else you wanted to... Um, Talk about relating to those verses, Ruby, since you had highlighted one of them. Um, I'm going to read my version because I've got a question about that. They claim to know God, but their actions, they deny him. They are disgusting, disobedient, and disqualified from doing anything good. What does it mean they're disqualified from doing anything good? Unfit for doing anything good. They're not fit to do anything good because they're not actually, even if they're doing something that is thought to be a good thing, like giving food to the poor or whatever. They're doing it out of a selfish desire and they're not actually doing good. That right? makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because that's not where their heart is. The heart of what you're trying to do. It's like, we can make mistakes, but like if our... A lot of times if our heart's in the right place and trying to do the right thing and trying to follow what God says, He knows when we're trying to do that. He kn- And He knows our limitation and our ability to mess up. All right, well, let's move on to chapter two. Titus chapter two. I have one highlight, and it's in the very first verse, and it's more of a question. Okay. Um, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? It's the doctrine you hear, sound doctrine. What's doctrine? Um teaching oh the, the, i'm also making a joke it's not that's not what sound doctrine means but doctrine is like the bible and the teaching oh. and all that stuff yeah, I didn't sound think that's... means that it is accurate and true and firmly founded oh. i didn't think it was sound because oh, yeah. that's like sound in faith or yeah being sound in something means okay. you're secure in it that it is sound okay. doctrine is firm and secure ruby i highlighted verse 14 hmm. Verse 14. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Um, 
what does it mean like how he purchased our freedom from every lawless deed? Does that like are they talking about Jesus and how he Well if you read the verse right before it Oh, read the verse right before it. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Anointed One. Who gave himself to buy us back from our slavery, basically. Um, so, but yes, also, what does Jesus. it mean to purify him for himself of people who are his very own passionate to do it? We need to be purified to be with him, right? And what does it mean like we're passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes? Uh, eager to do what is good. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, because we need to be redeemed from that wickedness, to be purified, right? Mm -hmm. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We should be eager to do what is good when we're being purified and following after Christ. Hmm. Okay. Not, oh, I suppose I'll go do this because... Jesus told me to. Not, not that I have never felt that before, but like we should be eager to do the good thing. You're like, oh, Jesus told me to do this. Let's go do this. Because you know he's going to bless you in that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I highlighted verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And it's speaking about the grace of God, which is in the verse before. I probably need to read. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, right? We've been saved. God's grace has saved us. We are rescued. And therefore... That helps us to be able to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled lives, upright lives, godly lives. All right. Any more highlights that anybody had? Nope. Nope. All right. Let's move on to Titus chapter 3. All right. I have a highlight in verse 3. Go ahead, Jade Fire. Um, so... Um, at one time we were we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's kind of fun because it kind of connects to the verse I just highlighted in the last chapter with the enslaved to passions and pleasures. Um, yeah, the reason I highlighted it was because, um, now, I'm glad, like, nowadays, it, like, sort of died down. What died down? Uh, being hated and hating. Like, yep. people aren't hating everyone anymore. No. Or as much. Um, but yeah, I don't, why do you think that? Because I don't really see it every, anywhere. Ah, yeah, I... I don't think that's necessarily true. There's always going to be a lot of hating and hating one another. Not like everybody does it, right? But it's definitely a widespread, constant issue of the world. That's why we have wars and all that kind of stuff, right? You hear about wars. And it even talks about, when they're talking about what's coming in the future, you'll hear about wars and rumors of wars and all that stuff. All that stuff will continue. And we'll be persecuted as Christians too, right? As believers? Yep. And we see that all through Acts that they were, and that's just the beginning of it. It doesn't like die down necessarily, 
I think there's a good chance that you don't see a lot of it because you are not as aware of all the stuff that goes on in the world outside of like home and church, right? You're surrounded by people that are trying to do God's will and love each other. And you're in a church where people usually are trying to live out God's word and love each other and uh, give grace and forgiveness, right? So of course you're, because we're following Christ, we are going against what the world is doing. Whereas the world, there's still a lot of hate going on. Um, plenty of people hate people just because of their different beliefs. Um, they don't, they don't see eye to eye. It's like, and they decide that if you don't agree with them, then you must hate them. And so then they hate you, which isn't really true. Like I disagree with people. It doesn't mean I hate them. Well, I just have a different opinion and like we can discuss it. But if people just automatically assume that you hate them, there's not willing to discuss anything and nothing gets fixed. And actually that just starts to create more bitterness and more hatred, unfortunately. But I am glad that in your experience that you get a glimpse of what we get to see at the end, right? You are experiencing less hate than you've seen in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and so that's wonderful. I'm glad that you see that and that you're getting less of that. So yeah, I'm just, I am glad that that's how you see the world because of what you live. But I don't, I have to be careful not to shelter you too much that you don't realize that there is a little bit more of that than you realize going on in the world. But that's cool. And and that is what we should definitely be striving for, right? Yes. Because there are plenty of people who are still too foolish and disobedient and deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And that's going to cause them to live in ma malice and envy, wanting what other people have, which also breeds hate. Because <laughs> they want to take what they have because they want it. Okay. And that's a hateful thing to do, yeah? Ruby, highlight? Uh, yes. I think. Um, yes! Yes, I do. <laughs> Verse 10. After a first and second warning, having nothing more to do with a devised person who refuses to be corrected. Um, oh. I, I know that's just kind of taking you out of a bunch, but... um. Yeah, it, it is because I actually have 9, 10, and 11. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, the reason I highlight it is because um, I think I've gotten better at this, but... um. Unless I find a better application, it might be the one where it's like, um, the very end where it's like a person who refuses to be corrected, because sometimes I can definitely fall into that. I think it's interesting based off of what we read in the Timothy or Thessalonians? Timothy? Probably Timothy. I don't remember now. But, yeah, because in both, both uh, books of whichever one it was, they reference divisive people. Idle and, they said idle and divisive, but they mentioned them twice. And one said, rebuke them. And then the other one in the next 
book of the two said have nothing to do with them. And it's like, well, do you rebuke them or have nothing to do with them, right? Yeah. Whereas here, it's like, warn them <laughs> and warn them and then have nothing to do with them. Well, not just warn them once. It's warn yep. them once and that's, then twice. That's why I said it twice. That's why I said it twice, two times. I said warn them and then warn them. <laughs> I see. Um, but yeah, uh, and again, the first part of this too with nine, and this is, I think, well, yeah, it must have been Timothy because I think this is a recent takeaway and it's still something I have to work on a bit. But, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. And so, like, this actually kind of goes back to some of the discussions we had about, like, like getting remarried or divorced or having more than one wife. Um, these are some of the, these are controversial uh, debates, and they can be kind of foolish to really focus on. Um, a lot of the time, like, like, don't get sucked into arguments about them and quarrels about the law, right? And people that want to keep poking at it or purposely having debates about things, even if they don't agree with the thing that they're debating with, they just want to debate for the sake of it, they're being argumentative and and divisive, and one would say foolish. So we should be just debating things just because it's fun to pick things apart. I would debate with you on that. Do you want to continue being a fool? So... Yeah, we should we should be trying to seek the common ground and work on what's the core, which is belief in Jesus and his sacrifice and resurrection, right? And then work our way out from there. And so, it, like, I've heard it explained as in there's, like, the core circle, and then there's, like, the circle of, like, defend stuff where it's like, well, this, we're pretty sure this is true and we should probably, probably stick to this. And then there's, like, the discuss categories in the outer circle. It's like, yeah, okay. So, I believe this, but this really doesn't matter in the grand scheme. <laughs> so, we can just maybe discuss it. <laughs> and, like, I would say that, like, a lot of the marriage stuff, that would probably be kind of in, like, the defend category. Yeah. Possibly. But, like, Jesus and who he says he is and claims to be God and believing that and believing his resurrection, that is definitely the innermost circle. <laughs> and like I would say even well yeah we're not going to get into that but anyway so yeah that was my whole thing just the whole not getting sucked into the controversies and arguments and warn somebody who's being divisive once and warn them a second time and after that have nothing to do with them which can be hard sometimes especially if they're like close to you, like a member of the family. Not even as an immediate family, but just somebody you see a lot. Yeah. Like neighbors. Sure. Alright. You see your neighbor a lot. Any other highlights from the two of you? Not me. I don't have any. Alright, then let's move on to Philemon. We'll start with chapter one, and then we'll end with chapter one. I have oh, one that sounds hi- like a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> I have one highlight in this book. I highlighted your first one. Speaking of first one, I know the eight verses after. Only eight. <laughs> um, verse one. 
From Paul, a prisoner of the Anointed One, Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our precious friend and companion in this work. Um, what does it mean, Paul, a prisoner? Paul's a prisoner of the Anointed One. He's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I highlighted something like that too in verse 9. Okay, oh. just a second. Um, so Paul is a prisoner of Christ, right? And we've talked about this before. He's a prisoner and enslaved to Christ, but he's also a prisoner for Christ because he keeps getting imprisoned for Christ. Oh, yeah. And he's greeting these people. Him and Timothy, our brother, are greeting Philemon, another friend of theirs, a fellow worker. And I know that you would highlight something in verse 9 like it because I highlighted it in your text. Because, um, uh, yeah, so like Paul... And Timothy must be together at this instant, and we also know that he's written to Timothy, right? Because we've read those. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, so uh, what did you have in 9, Jade Fire, and then 9 and 10, Ruby? Um, I just realized these two verses are practically the exact same with my highlight. Um, uh, verse 9... Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. But you explain that. Explain what it means. My highlight to, or explain the highlight to um, Ruby. Yep. Alright, and then 9 and 10, Ruby? 9 and 10. I'd much rather make an appeal because of our friendship. So here am I. So here I am, an old man, a prisoner of Christ, making my loving appeal to you. It is on behalf of my child, whose spiritual father I became, well, here in prison. That is, onimus. On, onesimus. Onesimus, yes. Um, but the reason I highlighted these is partly because I didn't know which was which, because in my Bible it's just, because in my Bible it's 9 and 10. So, um, also at the very beginning, what does it mean I'd much rather make an appeal because of our friendship? Well, look at verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love or friendship. Oh, that makes sense. Um, also, what does it mean he's an old man? How old is he? None other than Paul, an old man and now also... Well, he's... Who knows how old he is at this point? Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, maybe some people can deduce around how old Paul is at this point, but I, I have no idea. He's and it doesn't matter that much. Years old. Huh? He's probably some hundred years old. Or did that end at this point? Uh, it probably. I don't think people were living that long anymore, but I don't know. Hmm. Well, either like ninety or hundred. I really Hundreds. don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Not hundred, two hundred or something. That's my highlights. Do you have any highlights, old man? I do. I have. Let's see. We have verse. Paul. We have verse 18. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Um, I just, 
I liked that because it's kind of like taking that what he's learned from Christ basically like he's living like Christ he's taking the charges for himself anything that's other person that's done wrong he's like or if they owe you anything that's going to be my debt he's free of it it's a very Christ-like behavior so that was just a cool example of that and when anyone thinks Saul the one who was killing Christians is going to start taking that and then we have verse 22 and one thing more Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. So he's like, hey, even make preparations for my return, because I'm hoping for this, and you're praying for this. Like, I will come back to you. Whether it's because he just needs to travel there, or if he's imprisoned and he'll be out soon, or what. And that's it for Philemon. All right, application time. Application time. Right. All right, who would like to share an application? Where was my application? Oh, yeah. Titus 3, verse 10. Um, How I should be more willing to be corrected. Mm. Not so stubborn. Yeah, you don't want people to just leave you and hand you over to Satan. My my application is um, Titus 1 and Titus 1... Seven. To not be quick tempered. Hmm. Yep. Gotta take time and think before you respond. Correct. What about you? Mine comes from uh well uh, Titus three, uh the avoiding foolish controversies and arguments. Um, that's just a continuing thing. Um, but also, just noting um. Paul's own willingness to take on other people's um, sins or debts, I guess, is just very cool. Um, Cool to see that kind of example, and I just would like to be a better example of Christ, like Paul is demonstrating there. Those are mine. Okay, his turn is to pray. It would be mine, I believe. Okay. Dear God, thank you so much for this day and for your words and for us to be able to study them. And thank you for the time I get to spend with my children in growing closer to you and applying your words to our lives. Um, Help us to reflect on them, meditate on them, and uh, and actually um, follow through and trying to apply them to um, our daily living so that we can bear your image more and more be a better reflection of you, um, even though we will always pale in comparison to your glory until, uh, well, even after the time ends, we'll just be basking in your glory. Um, and just, uh, so yeah, help me to um, just remember that how Christ lived and to be a, a better example of his life to others and to not get caught up in foolish arguments and controversies. Um, and... Uh, help Ruby to um, take correction well um, and to listen to it as that is wisdom um, and to but to also discern and recognize when to throw away um, unhelpful uh, rebuke or correction because it's not actually correction um, uh, but uh, I've definitely tried to have her side on the 
err on the side of, you know, correcting herself when she needs to be. <laughs> uh, and Jade Fire, um, just help him to um, take time and be patient and take a breath when things come up. Um, take a step back before reacting physically or emotionally or with words uh, to things that are going on around him and to actually reflect on what may have caused some of the things to happen around him and what his part may have been in it so that he can recognize that nobody's perfect and that uh, it's foolish for us to really get too angry at anybody since we are all um, uh, we all fall into sin on occasion um, and just uh I'll bless the rest of our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.